We are wrapping up spooky season with burial rituals from around the world. Will you be buried with all of your possessions? Will you come back to see your family every year? Will you be burned on a funeral pyre? Or will you be buried in a tree? A tree? We answer all of these questions and more in today's episode. Hi, I'm Monica, one of two Monicas and a microphone. And I'm the other Monica. And we talk about nothing serious seriously. We provide real, relatable entertainment for you on a weekly basis. So join us to learn about how other cultures honor their loved ones. Before we get started, don't forget to hit that follow button on your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star review. You can also connect with us on all social media at 2 Monica's Podcast, and that's with the number two. All right. Thanks, Mon. Now on with the show. Monica, I know you're going to talk about the Victorians because you love talking about the Victorians. But before we get there, we have to go in the Wayback Machine and talk about the ancient Egyptians. I love definitely definitely you cannot do a burial rituals episode and not mention ancient Egypt no the Egyptians as we all know are a very ancient culture and I find it fascinating that they have their own entire profession dedicated to learning their history and culture Egyptology but did you know and I didn't know this they only lived to be about 40 oh ancient Egyptians no I didn't know that Right? So they have a short lifespan, and because of that, they were prepared for death relatively early. They did believe in an afterlife, and this is one key reason that their burial practices often involved mummification and entombment when it was an important picture. They believed they needed to adhere to strict mummification rules in order to ensure they would live on in the world of the dead. I think that's so fascinating. Oh, I'm very fascinated and have always been by ancient Egypt. So I'm excited to hear what else you have to say. Yeah. Well, most people are vaguely aware that there was a class system in Egypt, but your status dictated where your soul would go when you died. Oh, so this didn't just affect your everyday life. I thought maybe how you were buried, but you're saying your afterlife too. Ugh. That's kind of sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It does. But they also believed in reincarnation, which we're not getting into. Gotcha. So, so kings would join the gods, and virtuous people might have a life similar to the one that they led while alive. So if you weren't wealthy, you would go on being poor. <laughs> that does suck. And this next part, it's not like you just die and you go to the afterlife and join the gods or, you know, go on living mm-hmm. your life. They made it difficult for people to join the gods in the afterlife. You had to pass a series of tests and you were given some instruction. You had some amulets and other objects, but the best way and the best instructions came from the Book of the Dead. Whoa, what is the Book of the Dead? Oh my gosh, it's so fascinating. The Egyptian Book of the Dead is a collection of spells that enabled the soul of the deceased to navigate the afterlife. And so the spells provided this assurance through precise detail of what to expect after death. So cool. So a recent translation, a more recent translation, calls it the book of life because you continue living. I just really wish there was a book of life right now to like help me navigate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right, right. 
I do see here that no two copies of the work are exactly the same though. They were created specifically for each individual who could, who could afford to purchase one as kind of like a manual to help them after death. And I am going to tell you this, not to be irreverent here, but this sounds like a racket. <laughs> it does sound like a racket. <laughs> Here, give me your monies. I will create this book for you. <laughs> you specifically, no, you may not give it to your brother. No, you may not give it to your son. I must right. create a new one. I, I think you're totally right about that. It's a racket. The Egyptians invented it. Well, yep. if you pass this test, you eventually meet Osiris, the Egyptian god of the dead. And Osiris would cast judgment by placing your heart on a scale with a feather of truth on the other side. Oh, well, that's why it was important to still have your organs, I guess, which is why. Uh, yeah, I guess. Mm -hmm. They did the it, mummification. Mm -hmm. So a balanced scale would indicate a person had led a virtuous life and could safely proceed to the next stage of the afterlife in the field of reeds. All right. So what happened if the scale didn't balance? Did the Egyptians have a hell or is that just too Western? Well, if they didn't balance, you would meet Amit the eater of the dead, a monster with the head of a crocodile, and he would eat you. Oh. And you would go on to an afterlife of pain and unhappiness. Well, that sounds great. That right. also I can think of as like some poor servant person, and then they just get to repeat this over and over and get eaten by the crocodile because they cursed their master. They couldn't get their hands on this book of the dead. Right. <laughs> This is so fascinating, though. I didn't realize there was so much to it. I just thought there was the mummification and you had to be buried with your spouses and some ancient Egypt goes for, you know, hundreds of years. So I'm not sure which that, part thousands, that was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're buried um, with all your stuff. I mean, I like that. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just thought all of that, you know, it, I mean, we say over here, you can't take it with you. But the Egyptians were like, uh, yeah, I can. Yeah, because you needed to use it in your afterlife. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Mm. Well, we're all over the place with this episode, friends. We're not going in chronological order or in alphabetical order. We're moving on to Japan. And ja the Japanese, one of the things I love about Japanese culture is their love of ritual. You have mm -hmm. traditional tea service, how you create sushi is very ritualistic. Um, there's so much involved in their culture and it is also very, very old culture. So here's what caught my eye about how the Japanese honor their loved ones. The day starts or the honor starts by bringing the body back to the home to spend one final night on his or her own futon. Well, how did they keep the body? They pack it in ice and they cover it with a sheet and a white cloth covers the face. And from what I read, it seems like an in-home wake where members of the immediate family, including children and friends of the neighborhood, will drop by to give their condolences. And people sit with the body, touch it, talk to it as if it were still alive. Well, and it then, sounds very much like what we do over here during a wake. I mean, people very do true. that with the open casket. Very true. Just not in their house. I mean, I've only been to one funeral, so who am I to say? In your life? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. That's why I found all of these things fascinating because I've only been to one. 
Oh, wow. Definitely. Very, very. I think that may be more interesting than anything you're going to share with us today. (laughs) Well, the next morning, the body's taken in a slow procession to the place where it will be held. So do they mark the burial site with anything? I mean, do they have like tombstones like we do or, or what do they do? What's that whole part look like? Well, one interesting aspect is that it's a simple coffin, but they have a window where the face would be. And they have arrangements of lights, sculptures, flowers to suggest paradise. And they also keep a photo of the deceased in place with the arrangements. And they keep incense and incense burning at all times. And this is before they bury it under the ground, correct? You know, I didn't even get to that part. I don't know what they do with it after. Well, it sounds weird if they don't. So we're probably going <laughs> to bury it. <laughs> they probably do. I mean, I can't imagine that you have a window to your decaying loved one, you know? Yeah. Mm. Okay, you're right. <laughs> well, um, so part of this reminds me of the ritual in a book I read a few years ago where the body was laid on ice in the home for three days so friends and family could come pay their respect. But for the life of me, I can't remember the name of <laughs> And when you read it, you were like, this must happen in real life because I read it in a book. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a real book. I think it's Swedish or it's a Swedish or oh, a that's, Dutch book. Oh, really? That's really cool. Um, the thought of putting your loved one on ice in your home. I don't know how I feel about that. Right. I will say that I just recently, Zach's grandpa passed away. We were all in there with his unprepared body, you know, unprepared in the way that we do them now. And I will have to say, I did not enjoy it while I loved his grandpa. Mm, (laughs) The whole experience was so very different for me. But I think that uh, that's because we be over here in the West, um, or maybe just in modern culture, we try to be so far removed from the process of birth and death, I've noticed. And maybe that's why it made me feel a little bit more uncomfortable. That's a good observation. Friends, we have a guest appearance today by Salima Fernandez-Hahn, and she was a Spotlight episode not that long ago. Is it All yeah. Saints Day? Is it Day of the Dead? I, well, what, and we can talk about Coco. No, that's a and- good point that you said it because it is a fusion of pre-Hispanic culture and the Spanish culture. Okay. So it's a fusion of both. That's why it's celebrated during All Saints Day and All Souls Day, November 1st and 2nd. That's yeah. super fun. I'm excited to get into it because in my family, it didn't exist. You know, I've done no research on this. I just talked okay. to my mom about it because it wasn't a part of our family culture. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really understand why. I mean, half my family is Hispanic, but I just, I was like, I don't understand why this was never a part of what right. I did. So my mom explained it to me as when my grandparents moved to Texas permanently and they had their house and they were there. Yes, they would go visit their family in Mexico, but it wasn't like they were living there. So all of the right. traditions changed. Absolutely. So, and they were very Catholic. I'm like, yeah, but a lot of Mexico is very Catholic and they participate in this. And they were separated from the more traditional Mexican side of the family. That makes sense. Um, You know, it also depends too where in Mexico um, you're from. 
I would okay. say in the part, probably not as celebrated. I mean, in the past, I think now it's definitely become more, it definitely has expanded within, I would say all of Mexico. I mean, cause you see it everywhere now. I mean, yeah. places normally you wouldn't see because my dad is from San Antonio. You know, that's okay. where his family is from. Growing up actually, to be honest, I really didn't know about Dia de Muertos. It was something that I learned later and it was through my mom's side of the family when we went to go visit my grandma and stuff like that. Okay. But, you know, it, it, I guess like you said, it really depends on the family. And as you know, you're more immersed into it. That's when you start to learn more about it. Right. And I, but the movie um, that Disney did, Coco, Coco. I, I think it's just the exposure worldwide really just um, allowed for more people to learn about it. Um, and it's really interesting because I was I was telling you, it's a fusion of both cultures got, you know, the Mesoamerica pre-Hispanic culture mm-hmm. who um, basically believed that there was like nine realms. After you die, you have to go through nine realms. And they celebrated it in August. That's when they, in that, in that month, they celebrated uh, this particular tradition where they would put food and mm-hmm. water because to help that soul make it to the nine realms. It was Don't a worry. long journey. So for in the month of August, they would offer this once the Spanish came to Mexico, what ended up happening was you had All Saints Day and All Souls Day, which is November 1st and 2nd. Mm-hmm. They fused the two. Very similar, you know, you're celebrating, you know, the passing of loved ones. Right. So in that sense, there was that commonality. So you got that fusion of both cultures and, you know, like the marigolds, those represent basically light. So supposedly with the flowers, they help light the way for your oh. soul. Could make it to the that. altar for the offerings. That's why they're so bright and like yellow and orange because it kind of yeah. signifies and it, it helps them come see you or visit their families, you know, on those days. And I know that they say like for the day of the dead, I think the first day is supposed to be for like children that have passed. And the okay. Day, saints or whatever. I mean, people start making this even before the November 1st and 2nd because I guess there's like October 27th is like, you know, they basically do the offerings for your mascots, like your dogs or oh, whatever. Oh, okay. People that drown, which I had no clue that there was all the other facts about the Day of the Dead. And wow, the- I had no idea either. Neither did I. But, you know, obviously everybody really knows November 1st and 2nd are the days. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the offerings, which are things that are common are the sugar skulls, the chocolate skulls, the pan de muerto, which is baked for that. The thing is, like, I know for my mom, what we do, like, my mom left to put on red lipstick. So we'll pull out the little red lipstick and her favorite perfume. Things that they enjoyed in oh. life. Put that on there you know a lot of i've seen people where they bring out the tequila because you know their grandfather or whatever really enjoyed the tequila so they'll take a shot but it's really something that really was special when they lived when they had you know they were on this planet and something that they really enjoyed so you can put that in their altar just to remember them i love and that i love the idea of remembrance remembering things that were special to them and wanting to partake in that in their memory and that's that's what this episode is all about it's really about how not only we bury our dead but really more about how we honor the memory it is it's about just honoring you know all those people that have moved on and you know that you don't forget them you were honored to have them in your life and you yeah the whole thing is not forgetting 
their life here on this planet and what they meant to you. Well, I love that we've been able to have this conversation. Just a side note before that, you know how yeah. like you see a lot of the skulls, you know, yes. like the guys, yes. it's a big symbolism. Where does that come from? I know with when the indigenous celebrated, they actually use real skulls, you know, as masks. So they get you're representing the dead, obviously. Yes. If you really think about it, the whole Katrina really hasn't been immersed into the Day of the Dead for centuries. It's more recent. It's actually the past century. It was in the 1900s. And it was actually supposed to be political satire. His name was Jose Guadalupe Posada. He was a political columnist for a newspaper in Mexico. And he basically, it was the 1900s, you have Porfirio Diaz, who was the president of Mexico. Think of like the Industrial Revolution here, you know, where you had Mm -hmm. this where all these rich people became super wealthy overnight because of, you know, the the Industrial Revolution, the Gilded Age or whatever. You had something similar going on in Mexico. It was during his reign and you had a lot of wealthy people. You also had, there was that big divide where you had people that were super poor. Right. Uh, So there was this excess and this uh, columnist basically did this political cartoon saying he made this beautiful woman in her typical Victorian style attire, but Mm -hmm. she was the girl. And the whole point of that was like, you might be dressed to your nines, like just perfect. But at the end of the day, we are all just skeletons. Because basically, you you don't take it with you, right? You die. No. And then you have Diego Rivera, who like years later, he makes a famous mural. Um, it's called Dream of a Sunday Afternoon in the Alameda Central Park. It's a famous mural. And he draws himself as a young lad. And next to him is a Katrina, like holding his hand. And that kind of just reignited the fascination with the Katrina, you know, it's actually now really, you know, celebrated in the other. It is. Because if you think about it, it all kind of just ties in. And, um, and it's beautiful. It's, I mean, it's just like, you know, great symbolism. It is beautiful. I mean, I was at a store just the other day and they have the happy painted skulls and then Coco, such a lovely, lovely story. Oh, you know, my mom died when that came out. So, oh my gosh, it's hard for me to see it because of the message, but it, it was a beautiful story. So, you know, when I hear it, hear the song from it, it makes me super sentimental, but I think it's just a, it's a universal thing. Right, it is a universal Um, thing, and and it's it's so funny that you would mention that it was in China. That movie was like, I think, of all the countries, it did the most amount of money there because there were so much similarities in you know how they pay homage to their you know their dead ones. That's so interesting, yeah, so interesting. I love all the stuff, like everything that you know. I mean, I have to oh, go on to Google and you're just like naming these people that I would never know of. It's oh, awesome. Well, Diego Rivera is one of my favorite muralists, you know. Obviously, people know. Does Frida he Kahlo. do. Okay, I might cut this out, but does he do the chubby women? No, that's Botero. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I will no. cut that out. Diego Rivera is known for his murals. I mean, you know, yeah. You know but... what? I think. Did he do the one with the lilies? Yes. He's got the lilies. Cavalier. Yes. Oh yeah. my gosh, so him. great, so he great. Was a, he was, it's funny, he would paint himself as a frog because he had these big protruding eyes <laughs> um, and he had so many, um, he he cheated on her so many times and vice versa, but it's he would draw himself as a little frog, it's so funny. And I don't know if you've, you're aware of Maria Felix. No. Um, 
famous Mexican actress of the Mexican golden age of cinema. Um, he uh, he painted her, and supposedly they had something going on. But uh, yeah, he he. And he's a little teeny frog. He's a well. He was a big guy. But <laughs> he paints himself as a little frog in a lot of the love letters that he would write to all these women. Oh and like he, he was always crying, but his his eyes were. I'm like, you could totally see it's him. We are so honored to have Sulema Fernandez Han have her be a guest on our episode for burial rituals and other ways to honor the dead today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It was fun. My pleasure. Today's episode is made possible by my affiliate partnership with the toxin-free beauty brand, Crunchy. That's Crunchy with an I. With all the talk these days about parabens and sulfates in our beauty products, it's hard to find a brand you can trust. And let's be honest, it can be annoying to read the back of every label before you buy something. And then you have to wonder, is it actually going to work? Who has the budget or the time for all of that? I definitely don't. That's why I love Crunchy. I don't have to read labels and I don't have to worry about toxins. Ready to make a safe swap in your beauty routine? Check out my site at crunchy.com slash Monica Miller. I love that you have included this next one and that is the Jazz Funeral of New Orleans. Monica, some customs would dictate having a party atmosphere as part of a funeral is sacrilege. A New Orleans Jazz Funeral tells that opinion to shove it. I mean, you've seen these, right? Right. So New Orleans is filled with music and history and how it honors its dead. The culture uses all aspects to create something truly special in honor of the loved ones. And this is one American tradition worth mentioning. Yeah, I, I love this idea. So according to our source, funeralwise.com, and I quote, the wild music and dancing have historically flown in the face of prevailing sentiments about the required solemnity of the traditional memorial service. The New Orleans jazz funeral grew throughout the 20th century to achieve its own respected standing among the many ways to commemorate the passage of a loved one. And here's a few key elements of this tradition. So these funerals carried aspects of the African funeral rituals and originally intended to celebrate the newfound freedom of a departed slave. So the jazz funerals of New Orleans evolved, as you mentioned before, mm -hmm. through the 20th century to come to be recognized as one of the most respected ways to exalt the life of a loved one. So, and according, I went and looked, I was looking up a few things on this, okay? So, okay. <laughs> so according to Wiki, this style um, is like most of New Orleans, okay? And for me, that is just a blending of the cultures. Really, New Orleans is a remarkable place. And geographically, it is the center of some things that were really big that happened and was like a fusion. We think of all these fusion restaurants, right? Well, this is mm -hmm. truly a fusion of cultures. And some of the music funeral, as they liked to call it at the beginning of the 20th century, um, that you witnessed actually has its foundations in the brass used in the colony's military bands. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's just a blending of everything. There's even more that I saw was blended into this jazz funeral. Wow, that is really cool. Well, I was curious why music and dancing, and apparently yeah. 
They were intended to help the deceased find their way to heaven and to celebrate the final release of their earthly life, which in a lot of cases, the past was also a release from slavery. Oh yeah, yeah. So that would be kind of different than what we learned about with the ancient Egyptians where, well, if you were a slave here, then you're gonna live a similar life in the afterlife. But for those suffering under slavery here, the jazz funeral and death meant, you know, a lifting of your oppression. So did you know that this jazz funeral could last up to a week? Whoa. Yeah, and sometimes it even included a parade, which just seems like that would naturally happen. There's music in a band and people marching. I think it probably accidentally turned into a parade once. And the typical funeral, though, began with a slow march from the home of the deceased to the church or funeral home. Well, you know, there's another culture that has a week-long mourning period, but we're going to talk about that later. I also Ooh. read that sometimes the coffin would be carried by a horse-drawn hearse. And we've already mentioned brass bands playing. They played somber hymns and dirges, but after the memorial service, all of that would change. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. So it's almost like a celebration of life, but I thought it was really cool what, you, what we said earlier about how it is showing them how to get to the afterlife. Like yeah. your friends and your family are taking you there and you're not doing it alone. Gotta lift them up. Today's episode is made possible by my affiliate partnership with the toxin-free beauty brand, Crunchy. That's Crunchy with an I. With all the talk these days about parabens and sulfates in our beauty products, it's hard to find a brand you can trust. And let's be honest, it can be annoying to read the back of every label before you buy something. And then you have to wonder, is it actually going to work? Who has the budget or the time for all of that? I definitely don't. That's why I love Crunchy. I don't have to read labels and I don't have to worry about toxins. Ready to make a safe swap in your beauty routine? Check out my site at crunchy.com slash Monica Miller. Monica, we just mentioned a week-long funeral parade for jazz funerals in New Orleans and yeah. the Jewish people also have a long history of customs. So one thing that is pretty interesting to me in comparison to some of the other cultures is that Jewish burials are to take place as soon as possible, as soon as the next day. Like, I don't know how you get all your friends and family around. I did read that there are some exceptions, like when the family isn't nearby, but the expectation is ASAP, preferably the next day. And unlike the Egyptians who buried their dead with gold and worldly possessions, Jewish funerals emphasize simplicity to avoid embarrassment for the poor. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's also traditional Jewish practice to perform a ritual washing of the body called a tahara and then to dress it in a plain burial shroud. I'm sorry if anyone has gone to church on Easter Sunday. I feel like I, you know, we know some of these things from that. Yes. Um, and I didn't, you know, really realize how much does this stuff still happen now or is this just we're talking ancients no this isn't ancient a lot of this is still happening that is really really cool wow okay there are also watchers that remain with the body around the clock until the funeral i wonder why that is i, I didn't read that like there was nothing well, that said why 
Um, well, I'll mention a reason why another culture did that too. So it could be for the same reason. I mean, I'm guessing there's a couple reasons. One is you want to make sure no one steals or desecrates the body because, because if there is something to the ritual of being buried that makes you consecrated, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Or okay. also maybe they didn't want, maybe they want to make sure they're dead. I don't know. Okay. But my guess is it has to do <laughs> that with they weren't a vampire and came back to life. Sorry. Right, right. Yeah, I don't think, I don't know. Was there a Jewish vampire? <laughs> um, and unlike the Japanese who sit and talk to the body for a few days, as you were telling us, there is no visitation of the body in Jewish tradition and no flowers. That's kind of sad. That is. I like, I like, like the idea of flowers. Very, yeah. very we'll minimalistic. we'll talk about that later, too. Okay. Um, yeah. So the Jewish people sit Shiva, which is Hebrew for seven. And it's the initial mourning period. And this is a time where friends and family come to visit the home of the bereaved. Uh, it also can include covering mirrors, burning memorial candles, wearing the black ribbon that was cut at the funeral. Um, and I thought this next part was really like, wow, everyone is really mourning with the family or with the bereaved. Mm -hmm. Men don't shave, women don't wear makeup, and couples refrain from intimacy. And all of this is to symbolize the disruption that the death has brought to their lives and demonstrate grief through self-sacrifice. Wow. I also feel like when someone you love dies, you do some of that automatically. And they're like, yeah, right. let's keep that. So yeah, everybody participates. Well, I think that you bringing up some of these Jewish customs is very interesting because some of them mirror what I'm getting ready to go into. Uh -huh. And I would like to give a special thank you to you for letting me do this. Um, and that is to talk about the Victorians. And like the Victorians like to do, they have a, a lot of influence on what we do today. But I'm going to go a little bit into why the Victorians had so much influence. As we all know from before, if you've listened to anything or know your history, Prince Albert died. Queen Victoria was super sad about it. Okay. Okay. And that is why everything is just so sad and macabre during that time because you had this queen in mourning. So the queen was doing it. So everyone else must do it too. And during that time, Morning was an official thing with rules in a book and not what? like a book for like how you go to heaven like the ancient <laughs> Egyptians but like how you need to be sad forever <laughs> <laughs> so we can start a little bit with the morning clothing so women had to wear all black no jewelry while they were in deep mourning but then later they could shift to gray or lavender with some embellishments when they were in half mourning Okay, Sorry. half morning as opposed to deep morning. Okay. Like, I don't want to laugh at these people, but they like were so dramatic. <laughs> okay, so and don't forget to wear your morning veil. But if you are a man, of course, you don't have a veil. You just wore black with the addition of black gloves. Kids, however, did not wear black. They just went about their day. And then even in the household, your stationery and handkerchiefs would also be adorned in black. Well, I'm glad right. they didn't force these rules on the kids. Thank God they let them stop mourning when they were ready. So, Monica, you said there are rules, and I want to know how long they mourned for, because in some cases we see, you know, obviously mourning is very personal, but in some cases, like the Japanese and the Jewish people, mm -hmm. it's seven days. Okay, so... <laughs> 
I'm sorry, I don't want to laugh because, you know, I lost my father and like, I feel like you're in mourning forever, but this is like official mourning, your official mourning. You must be in mourning for one year of deep in one year of half. Okay, so it's a minimum two years. Yes, um, but however, there are rules for every level of relationship. So for example, you were in mourning for just six weeks over your great aunt. Oh, okay. And the highest level of mourning, the one year and then the one year half, those mm -hmm. were for your spouse, but spouse. not for your children. Oh, oh. Right? I'm sorry. Well, but... I mean, like, let's go back to the Victorians. They lost a lot of kids. Oh, okay. True. <laughs> They'd be wearing black permanently. <laughs> right. So as sad as that is, I do think that's why. I do. Okay. That, um, that does make okay. sense. All right. But let's get to the fun part, okay? Because it's the Victorians. They were superstitious and they were definitely creepy. But they also have an influence on our lives today. And one of those is the wake. Not just that we have a wake, but that, that it's called the wake, the waking. Mm -hmm. Where does that um, come because, from? Yeah, that's because you watched over the body until it was in the ground to make sure it didn't wake up. That is so creepy. Right. Oh, yeah. what if it did? Ah! I mean, um, it sounds yeah. similar to Jewish, the Watchers. Yes, it's very similar to the to the Watchers. It's also why we have flowers, because they would bring the body into the house, much like we talked about with the Japanese, but they did not put it on ice, so they just used flowers to mask the decaying smell. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's so, very clever. It was clever. I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. My uncle, who just recently passed, was a mortician, and he legitimately did mortician things on people's kitchen <laughs> tables when he first started. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Is that not crazy? Yeah. Yeah. And my mom was also, my mom was also born on a dirt floor. So again, going back to, we have so sanitized all of this in the past 70 years. It's crazy. So here we get to the superstition. So basically, if someone in your household died, you had to be careful because they were going to call you to death with them. So you needed to make sure that you carried them out of the house feet first on the way to the grave. They also turned all photographs of the dead face down for the same reason. They would also stop the clocks at the exact time of death to prevent bad luck. And I'm just over here thinking every time that you would look at the clock, you'd be like, oh my gosh. That's when Bob died. <laughs> A constant oh. reminder yeah. about Aunt Susie. Oh, for sure. Uh, they also drew the curtains so the deceased image wouldn't get caught in any reflections. Same with mirrors and any other glass in the house, which is kind of why we get this whole idea of the haunted house being having everything covered in it, these old Victorian houses, mm -hmm. because that's what they did. Oh. Yeah. And then um, one final thing to note here. Saved by the bell was not coined by Zach Morris. What? Okay. No, really. The Victorians were so scared of being buried alive that they installed bells in the coffins that would ring above ground. So you would be saved by the bell. <gasps> oh. Yeah. 
Now I did look it up. People were buried prematurely. It's a documented fact. And then you throw in Edgar Allan Poe writing his work, Premature Burial, and you're gonna get hysteria. I mean, leave it to Poe to write something creepy. Exactly. So, um, and Monica, I will tell you, there are so many more death and funeral superstitions that I am not going to get into because like there is enough to have its own episode. Well, Monica, I see here that you funeral favors. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So like how we give away wedding favors, they would give away little wrapped cakes if you were a guest to the funeral. Wow. And there's another culture on the other side of the world that does something similar. We'll talk about it at the end of the show. Ooh, great. So where are you taking us next? I wanted to save one of the most fascinating for last. Um, and it's in part because I loved the show Vikings. And if anyone wants to know, I get most of my history from TV. <laughs> if you don't believe me, just listen to some other episodes. But I also love it because the culture is old, beautiful and ritualistic and they wore a lot of fur but i digress (laughs) i love anything that is ritualistic so why don't you tell me about one of these rituals well the viking culture was a pagan culture and it honored the north norse god and much like the egyptians the vikings buried their dead with all of their belongings because they believed that the items would be useful in the afterlife but their ritual goes beyond burying or burning the dead with gold, clothing, other valuable items that they might find useful. They also sacrificed horses and servants of the departed, like a slave girl. Oh my gosh, this feels very wasteful of materials. Um, I do know a little bit about the afterlife. I know that they send the dead warriors to Valhalla. They do. Because these angels, that's where the Valkyries come from. I mean, they're not angels. The Valkyries come down and that's where they take the dead uh, warriors. Oh, I didn't know that. Are you familiar with the funeral pyre? Yes, from Star Wars. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I am familiar. So it was an early form of cremation and the body was placed on heavy, heavy wood with all of the person's belonging at the feet and it was lit on fire. I mean... It makes sense, right? It does. And I think that's just a good way to dispose of a body. I don't know where putting it into the ground came from and why that's maybe, maybe they were able to let go of people easier, but um, and possessions too, or what? I want to say that burying as opposed to cremation was a Christian aspect. And a lot of cultures that used to cremate stopped cremating and started burying. One aspect that made me laugh out loud, literally, from my source, vikingsbrand.co, is that social status, yes, it dictated, you know, which level of Valhalla you would go to, but it also dictated how much time was spent preparing the body for burial. And I found this ironic because the body was placed in a tomb, but the preparation is what everyone else was doing. Getting excessively wasted, drunk, having ritualistic sex. I mean, I think that getting drunk would be a great way to deal with pain. Uh, I don't know about the ritualistic sex, no offense. Right. I don't know how with it I would want to be, but I guess you well, have a choice. To quote my source, many other things that can only be explained by a completely altered consciousness due to too much drinking. 
And all of <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And all of this could last for 10 days. Yeah. So by time you're cremating the body, if you will, on the pyre, I mean, it is long gone. Like there's no, that thing, your, your person would not be recognizable. No. So it probably is easier to let them go. I'm thinking it's like the Jewish people and they're like, you're dead, you're on the pyre, goodbye. But no, they have 10 days. So yeah, they if have you were a little real, bit of time. Yeah, if you were really important, everyone just gets wasted for 10 days and has a bunch of orgies, then you get burned on the funeral pyre. I just wonder, were they like killing people so they could have funerals? Like, well, I no, but <laughs> the, the sacrifice of other people, I mean, that was very common practice. It wasn't just a slave girl. They could sacrifice your manservant or, you know. Yeah, like, and... I swear that the Egyptians did that too. Your your wives got to go with you. Okay. Yes, that I mean, I was listening to a history thing the other day. I'm glad I was Paul's like, what? not Egyptian. Why are you doing that? Yeah. Yeah, I was like I'm not I ain't going, going with you. It's still <laughs> death do us part. But, you know, if you think about it, they thought everything continued afterwards, so they wanted yeah, to take why, the things and people that they loved with them. Why wouldn't you want to go? be exactly. with your loved one mm -hmm. well we're wrapping up but we can't wrap up without talking about have you ever thought about your funeral not really no i, I don't mean, either i hope people come and cry <laughs> and then celebrate they pretty that's much right. the basics that's right well since neither of us have given too much thought about our funerals i have some ideas that our friends can use to give loved ones in your will or your living trust and I might adopt some of these. So for instance, the Swedish used to give out candies, you know, like a funeral favor. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, but I think funeral favors is a good idea if you can get a third party to come up with them. I do too. It, apparently it's a dying custom. I was just listening to a podcast where this wife, she did actually kill her husband, but she <laughs> threw like a lavish funeral and she was handing out keychains with his face on it. And the investigators thought that was so bizarre, but apparently it's not that bizarre. I see here that the Hindus wear white. I know. And not to bring everything back to the Victorians, but when a child died, they dressed the child in white and they made the whole funeral in white, including the casket. Native Americans, including the Sioux, the Ute, and the Navajo tribes, used platforms like a scaffolding or a tree to bring the deceased closer to the sky. And as you're buried in this tree, the idea is that birds come and pick your body apart, bringing the life cycle full circle. And I mentioned previously that the Jewish may cover mirrors, and they're not the only culture that does that. The Chinese remove all mirrors from sight because according to their beliefs, if you see a coffin in a mirror, you're gonna have death within your own family soon. That's creepy. Ooh, I wonder that's a good that's superstition. the Victorians had the same superstition, but mm -hmm. my guess is that they adopted it from the Chinese. Yeah. I, I'm gonna guess just from some of the things going on at that time, it makes sense. Very interesting. I'm saying this one. <laughs> so okay. some Taiwanese funeral celebrations include strippers so i mean the vikings have orgies some of the taiwanese <laughs> have strippers that's right oh it's like any reason right any reason yeah. in south korea apparently there's a land shortage for burying mm -hmm. bodies yeah and so because of that they would have to exhume them every 60 years 
to like oh wow rotate the land to other dead people so to overcome this korean death beads have become a popular way of remembering the dead so you might ask what is a korean death bead the body is cremated and then the ashes are turned into resin beads and made into a necklace and i kind of think this is a nice way of keeping your loved one close to you you could wear it you could just have it as a decoration and it's not just mm-hmm. an urn with ashes that might fall over and then you have to vacuum them up and that would be really sad i guess people want to hold people close and dear to them so i get it i get it okay so new orleans i can't even believe this is a thing but it's called <laughs> extreme embalming so that they can pose the body and take pictures Yeah, think weekend at Bernie's. Bernie's. (laughs) Jinx. Taking center stage once again. Oh, wow. Ew. It is, it's morbid. That is morbid. But a friend of mine just recently went to a funeral and she said it was one of the strangest, most bizarre things she went to. And I think had they had this idea, they would have done it because they were posing with the body in the coffin and putting things in his hands and stuff in the picture that you're showing me it's like they're playing poker together oh my god oh my god i can't even okay so i'm definitely crossing extreme embalming off my wish list oh definitely mm-hmm. well in the province of china Sichuan, hanging coffins can still be seen i thought this was this is kind of cool Yeah, I thought this was something of long past. I don't know if it still happens, but you can go and see them. The ones that are still there. Yeah, it looks like they have current writing on them, like somebody took... And the source that I got this from says that CNN did an entire article on this custom. So if you want to read more about this custom or any of the customs, please go to our show notes where we have all of our sources listed. And you can just dig in and find out more and maybe get some ideas. I don't know. Not to be morbid. Oh, well, how can you not be during the burial ritual episode? (laughs) Right. Friends, we do hope that you enjoyed this slightly morbid, slightly macabre episode of Two Monicas and a Microphone. If you like this episode, please share us with a friend. And you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Two Monicas Podcast. That's with the number two. Until next time. Bye. Okay, that was good. Yes. Sorry. Okay.